0: It's The Ag Ship Podcast, and Patrick Mayhorn, creator of The Ag Ship, a credentialed newsletter covering Utah State football and men's and women's basketball. You can subscribe at www.theagship.com for all of the written stories, game previews, game reviews, uh, notebooks, cover stories, working on a cover story for men's basketball right now that will be out probably pretty soon after you listen to this, or if I'm snappy about it, before you listen to this on Thursday. Um, all of the written stuff over there for just $6 a month. Uh, feel free to subscribe if you have not subscribed already. Your support is always appreciated. If you have subscribed, thank you. You are the, uh, the lifeblood of the site. It is not uh, supported by anything other than uh, the, the readership, the subscriptions, no ads, none of that stuff. So go on over there if that interests you and subscribe at www.theagship.com. Uh, I am joined, as always, by co-host Parker Ballantyne, our triumphant return to the mic after a very busy week kept us away. Parker, how's it going?
1: What's up, Patrick? Um, yeah, busy week. Uh, finally, finally feels good to be back on the mic. It's it's crazy that the last time we were we were recording, we had uh, Lance on. Uh, that was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, it's it's good to be back. the The world is is ending a little bit. I feel like the world's ending, and there's no purpose in, in being a Utah State fan anymore. So, yeah. hopefully, you can talk me out of that. Um, no, I, I feel I feel really really good. Um, despite my voice actually, uh, I, I hope the, the listeners will, will pardon me a little bit. Um, I already don't have a voice for radio and I, I'm, I, I feel great thanks for asking everybody but I, I am battling a little bit of um, congestion so I think uh, you know hopefully our listeners can bear with us but I feel great um, it was it was a busy week. it was a really really good week. Um, both, both basketball teams went one and one, which, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) doesn't happen often. Uh, we got a little bit of football news, so it's, it's great to be back. It's fun.
0: Yeah, uh we uh yeah as we're currently recording here I'm actually looking up and it does appear that the sky is uh falling um <laughs> and that's I'm more I'm a little I'm a little worried about that but uh right now it looks like it's still I still have a little bit at least a little bit of time before it fully falls yeah, I don't really I'm, know what that's gonna look like I'm
1: actually seeing a I just pulled up Twitter just to just to See what's going on. And I'm seeing a tweet from Governor Cox saying that they're actually shutting down Utah State University.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah they're, they're... <laughs> they're no longer funding it publicly. So it looks like our options at this point are to go private and, and
0: yeah.
1: uh, be purchased by BYU or uh, or Westminster and or, or just shut it down. Yeah. That's, that's where we're at now.
0: That's so. unfortunate. That's unfortunate, <laughs> but you got to do what you got to do, I guess. Yeah. Um no, the sky is not falling. It was not uh it, it's not been a great couple of days here for Utah State Athletics. We're going to talk about both of the basketball teams. Uh we're also going to talk a little bit of football news as you mentioned. Um and uh hopefully we're uh, we're we're going to we're going to kind of sort through our thoughts as we have them here as we like to do on this show and you know, we're we're hopefully going to kind of talk some people off the ledge a little bit. I I think that's usually a role that we can fill pretty well on this show. Sometimes we're going to talk you right onto the ledge. Sometimes when things are bad (laughs) enough, we will gladly join you on the ledge. But for right now, I don't know that we're going to quite do that. Um, and sometimes
1: we're talking to each other off the ledge.
0: Yeah. And so this is, uh, well, oftentimes actually, we're yeah. doing that. Yeah. This is, uh, this is sort of, this is one of the, this is an Ag ship podcast, podcast classic, which is a therapy yeah. episode. This is our therapy session yeah. episode that we're going to have about Utah State athletics because they, it, it needs it sometimes. Um, yeah. We gonna... have a lot to
1: air out. We actually, uh, we, we just a look behind the curtain for our listeners. We actually don't do that like before the show. We basically hop on and, yeah. uh, like catch up, like, hey, man, how's it going? Like, and then it's 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 going on so we we have a lot of pent-up feelings i think on on both sides of the mic here and we we have not gotten into it together so what what you guys are hearing is is uh therapy session like round one. We yeah. we don't uh, rehearse our therapy sessions here at the action.
0: Could you imagine if we rehearsed this podcast? <laughs> it, would,
1: it, would it would be, be better. Yeah. It would, it would be a lot more coherent, I think. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, no, we, we do not do that. This will be – you'll, uh, you'll get our thoughts as we have them here. And we can start with – I would say not it, – it's not neutral news. I think it's probably pretty good news. I think it's a good yeah. class. Yeah. Uh, but the most neutral of the news, the most positive of the news and the most Positive of the topics that we have to talk about here uh, football has signed a 30 man recruiting class uh, officially inked on this uh, I-, I believe it is technically here national signing day it has I can't has, keep track of them it's yeah, like it's, there's a lot of them now. man I used to take this day when I was in like middle school and high school I used to take this day off of school it was an understanding (laughs) that I came to with my parents that I would take this day off so that I could watch all of like the ESPN signing day coverage it is it is that is a different world than the one we are living
1: in now you'd never go to school yeah like that you you just (laughs) would and and constantly signing day kids out there that take the day off to just refresh the agship twitter page and, and wait uh, props to you but yeah it's a different world yeah, <laughs> it's man. changed quite a bit
0: that that does probably explain a decent amount about why i am how i am <laughs> that i was as a kid i was grinding the tape watching the national yeah. signing day stuff um yeah you can't yeah, you, i mean i guess you could do that but there's not going to be a whole lot to talk about because almost all of these guys that we're going to talk about here and we we've talked about most, if not all, of these signees in this class already, so we're not really going to do a ton of that. Um, almost all these guys were already in. They were already signed back in the December signing period. Um, there are some more recent additions. I, I don't know exactly how many signed today. Um Okay, yeah, 19 of the 30 signed in December, and I guess 21 of them are already enrolled for the spring semester. I don't know how those extra two got away with that, but good for, good for them, I guess. Um, uh, so anywhere between 11 and nine new signees today, I think nine outright 11 who are technically signing, but two of those who are already on campus and have been going through winter workouts. Um, not a ton of new stuff to talk about here, but I do think it is interesting. And, and there was a, um, there was a good Blake Anderson press conference earlier. Good to talk to Blake again. It's been, it's been a little bit, obviously, since the season is, is, you know, has been over. Um, just good to, he's been, he's been busy. Yeah. Yeah. He has been busy. Um, good to catch up a little bit on just the, the happenings and it was mostly recruiting stuff. And and I think there was some interesting, some interesting notes in there as well as just in the pure numbers of this, which is really, I think where I want to steer this conversation as we talk about this class. Um, because it's, it's pretty striking here. The, these, these final numbers, it had been shaping up this way. I don't know that I really, Until I actually saw it on the page, I didn't realize how uh, significant it was, how significant the split was. But Utah State finishes this 30-man signing class, uh, finishes in quotation marks. We'll see. Um, (laughs) Probably, in theory, finishes. It never really actually stops. But um, with uh, 14 transfers from other schools, uh, 10 junior college transfers, and 6 high school signees. I am not a recruiting historian, I would drive myself insane trying to do that. The information is <laughs> hard to find. Save for like, you know, <laughs> Brian Phillips does a great job tracking Utah State's recruiting stuff. I will I will always point people in his direction when it comes to that, but it is it, it I would have to imagine that this is probably the smallest high school signing class that Utah State has ever taken. Um, maybe there's a, maybe there's another one that's close, but six high school signees is a small number and another one of those, just different world than, than it used to be. It, just used, yeah. it used to be if you signed six high school players it was a very bad thing and I don't really know that that's the case here because this is a good class. This is a talented class with a lot of really good players in it. Um, guys, yeah. like I said, who we've talked about, but that split really really stood out to me when I saw it of like, yeah, that's 24 guys who have been in college already who are joining the program and six freshmen. Um, that's, that's, that's a significant divide. And it, uh, I'm just, it's, 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 uh, captivated me a little bit. I'm very, very interested in that.
1: Yeah. Those numbers kind of jump off the page at you. I mean, six high school kids. And again, just to, to reiterate what, what you kind of said, um, this is not going to be the conversation where, we, where we get into these guys we we've talked about most of these guys and we will definitely talk about these guys again uh as you know next football season rolls around so this is more of just a general uh general conversation on almost just the kind of the allocation of where these guys are coming from um and so hopefully that's so you know hopefully that's okay with everybody um because it's it's basketball season guys We we only have the bandwidth for for so much but um, but yeah, so so looking at this class, six guys coming from high school is is tiny. Like I said, that that's something that jumps off the page at you. Um, that is, I mean, it, 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 this is a football team. You're bringing in six guys from high school. That's barely a starting five for like for basketball. Um, this is very very small. Uh, we are. It is a different world, and I think this might be closer to what the the norm becomes. I don't know that. Six high school kids is sustainable year in, year out, long term, um, but you will have years like this. I think uh, this this definitely signals to me anyway that Utah State uh, feels like they have the weapons to win now. Uh, they are expanding the playoff this year. And I, I'm not saying that Utah State is necessarily gunning for a playoff spot, but it would certainly like to expand a playoff. They, they would certainly like to, and it, it could be on the table. I don't know what that would, I, I don't know how that looks, but at, at the very least you're maybe Boise state goes and you can get to, uh, I, I, I'm assuming everything else kind of stays, stays the same. And the, the champion will go to the LA But You, you have a chance to move up that food chain, um, with other teams going to the playoff. Like it's, it's a really good year to have a good year is, is kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it shows that they feel like they have the weapons, um, But, yeah, it's it's definitely a different world that that we're seeing. So, yeah, 14 transfers, 10 guys coming from JUCO. I really, really like that. Uh, I feel like Utah State has had a lot of success with JUCO guys in the past. Um, And six high school guys is just very – that's a very, very small group of of kids coming into the program.
0: Yeah, and as for the, like, you know, seeing the opportunity to win now, I think another thing that maybe contributes to that at least a little bit is – there's a lot of turnover. There's a lot of upheaval in the Mountain West, not just on the player side of things. Like, there's a lot of new coaches in the league. A lot of schools are not necessarily starting over. Some of them are, um, I, I guess more of them yeah, are yeah. than, than aren't, you know, New Mexico has a new head coach and Bronco Mendenhall San Jose state has a new head coach and yeah. Kenny Amonololo, um, Nevada, has two, a new two head familiar coach. names for, for yeah. State. Should be? Yeah. Yeah. Nevada, uh, Boise state. I don't remember Fresno state currently doesn't have a coach unless Tedford is
1: back. I know he's been on leave. I think they're, yeah, um, they're kind of sorting through that. Um, uh, Uh, Let's put it this way. Blake Anderson, I think, is the second-longest tenured coach in the Mountain West right now.
0: Yeah, I believe so. After
1: after Troy Calhoun, for sure. Yeah. And then he, he got hired right around the same time as Timmy Chang, right? Was Timmy Chang after him?
0: I think Chang and Jay Norvell were both in the same cycle, which was the cycle after anderson yeah arrived. norvell
1: was after so norvell's been in the conference longer because yeah. he, he jumped from nevada to colorado state but i i and, think and, that and Ted, is like Ted, the second yeah. longest
0: yeah uh, uh, of um like continued 10 years i think because tedford yeah, yeah, also yeah, yeah. like technically i believe tedford's tenure at fresno state combined is longer but i think he was in that same 2021
1: yeah class. and he, he also might not be the coach He he's yeah. battling uh some health issues i don't know the details on that i hope he's he's all right um and we don't know if he's going to be on the sidelines next year. They they might. I I just haven't done my research on yeah. that side of things. But uh, yeah, a lot of teams starting off.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to. I don't think there's any other ones because UNLV cap. Kept... Odom, I yeah, I uh, that was Odom, a surprise. Which we was, talked about that. Yeah, which uh, was a surprise. We thought he was going to go. Yeah, but also then lost its quarterback uh, pretty late in yeah. the in the portal process. Um, but there's just there's a lot of turnover in the in the league, and and you know the yeah. the current like odds on I would assume favorite Boise State has a coach who yeah. is like. 10 years old and this is his first <laughs> this is his first time as a head coach and his first time like he's been an on-field assistant for like three years he's it's it's yeah. not that's not a sure thing either um there there was yeah but
1: we're smarter than that against the boise state broncos right we well, at lessons.
0: least at least not when they play utah state maybe maybe for the, maybe <laughs> yeah, for the first fair. nine or ten weeks of the season and then they will figure yeah, it out that's... just in time to beat utah state it seems that's um, fair and then win the conference anyway at seven and six um yep but that's what uh, do. Uh, yeah I guess so uh, but like there there is you can see a pretty clear opportunity there to compete in at the you know in the league and at the top of the league with you know a, a roster that as Blake Anderson mentioned on the press conference like they lost one guy from the two deep who they didn't expect to lose to graduation um, yeah. and that was Devin Dye who went to yeah. Kansas to play with his brother um, like that's not that's not a lot they have pretty much everybody else back and and the senior class was not significant in size like it was there were good players in that group and guys who they will miss but it was like an eight-man you know group that left and and even some guys who were kind of borderline like we didn't really know what their plans were moving forward like Josh Sturzer are coming back like Anderson said specifically Josh Sturzer is coming back and so you can definitely understand like yeah that 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 seems like an opportunity. You had a bowl team this year. You bolster it with, you know, fourteen guys who have played college football before, and you you've got <laughs> you 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 got something cooking there. You can you can pretty easily see where they're coming from with that. Um, I don't think that the six man high school signing class is going to be like the norm. I I yeah, it's, they're yeah. not. You're probably. I mean. I think the days, at least for now in the current way that recruiting is done, the days of Utah State taking like a 24-man high school class are are behind us. I, I don't really know that you can, I mean, this situation would have to be pretty uh, unique for that to be the case because you just, yeah. you're, there are so many good options in the transfer portal, so many good options at the JUCO level where I just don't know that you would have the room to be bringing in that many freshmen. Um, And and, so I would would guess that it'll normalize a little bit. But like, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fairly small. And I think that there is it's kind of instructive looking at just the position split among those freshmen, among those six signees about, where Utah State sees its roster and where Utah State sees room for developing young guys on its roster and where Utah State sees the need for guys who can immediately contribute. There's one defensive player from high school in this class. (laughs) There's one defensive high schooler and that's Tanner Williams at linebacker who was a a borderline four-star and a guy you can't really turn down if you can get him. Um, Other than that, you know, it's it's a tight end, two offensive linemen, a wide receiver, and then a guy who they signed today, Herschel Turner, at running back who was like a 3,000-yard rusher or something in California. Yeah. Um, that's like, yeah, that that says a decent amount about yeah. where they see this roster. And then you look at the transfers, you look at the JUCO guys, and you see a lot of defense. You see a lot of defensive linemen, defensive backs. There's some linebackers in the mix. Um, yeah. It's mostly defense, and this is something that we talked about when these guys were committing, but – Utah State seems to be you know seems to be feeling pretty good about its offense. There's not a ton of help coming for the offense, which makes sense cuz I don't really think that the offense needs a ton of help. There are guys coming in to bolster the quarterback room. They've got one receiver Robert Freeman the 4th. Uh they've got one running back, both these guys both from the Juco ranks, Nick Floyd at halfback, who was another recent commitment. Um other than that, you know, some offensive linemen and that's it. You know, they, they, they feel good about the skill core. They bolstered the offensive line a little bit. They added extra bodies into the quarterback room and into the quarterback competition, which was the word that Anderson used. He said there would be a competition there. Um, Interesting, yeah. and then defensively they brought in an entire roster worth of guys just to see what can they find in this group? Who can they, you know, who will step up as contributors who will step up as starters if you bring in this many guys on defense you have to assume some of them will be good and that will be enough for the defense to take significant steps forward and i think in this case given the circumstances of what we know about this roster it usually if this is the split every year i have concerns this is what a like you don't want a 24 to 6 split usually between high school or between non high school and high school guys but in this case, with yeah. the roster that Utah State has, I get it, and I'm not really all that worried about it. I, I think it you can you can understand where they're coming from, as we've said. However, <laughs> if we're in the same place next year, talking about a six man high school class, I would start to have some concerns because um, this yeah. like with these circumstances, I don't think that this is I don't think it's this, but sometimes when a when a school like a, like a hard job is wearing on a coach. And again, I, I will preface by saying I don't think that's what's happening here. I think that this is a specific circumstance. But like this used to happen, this was the, the vicious cycle at like Kansas for a decade and a half, is that coaches would come in Say that they don't want to just resort to recruiting, you know, transfers and junior college guys. Recruit high school guys for about two years, lose games, and then start recruiting JUCO guys, and then hand the roster off to a, to the next coach, who would then say the same thing, and then two years later be doing the the exact same thing. That is a va- that's a bad spiral to get into when you're relying yeah. so much on guys who have been in college before. I don't think that Utah State is there. I'm not. I I don't think that that is the case with this, but. You can't. This is not. Uh, this is not something you should be doing. I don't think every single season. I think that this is a specific circumstance where you can you can get away with this. Usually, you're gonna want more than six freshmen on your team. That's that's just not very many.
1: Yeah. No. It is. It is a really really small number. I I hate to do this to you because I don't know if you have it in front of you, but do you? Uh, do you see where those six high school kids are from? I do. Like what? Okay, perfect. I, I do. I'm glad. I'm so yeah. glad you have that. Yeah. I yeah. Didn't want to derail everything. Yeah. Uh, where are they all from?
0: Uh, we got uh, one from Arizona. That would be Camden Jury, the offensive lineman. Uh, two from California. California, rather. Uh, Tanner Williams and Herschel Walker, or Herschel Turner, not Herschel Walker, maybe. That would tub- be incredible. Good name for a running back. Um, and then uh, maybe yeah. not current Herschel Walker. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Herschel Turner rather. And then three from Utah. Um, that's okay. yeah. yeah. That that on that that's part, you figured. extrapolate that percentage wise. That sounds about right. That's that that, yep. that. that makes sense to me as for the recruiting yeah. base. And I think that there's a full Utah state put together a full split of the states in the class. Yeah, it did. Um in the full class, including the transfers, you've got seven from California, six from Utah, four from Texas, three from Arizona, two from Louisiana, which is interesting, and then one apiece from Florida, Georgia, Hawaii, Illinois, Mississippi, New York, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. I would guess there's there have not been a ton of Mississippi guys playing at Utah State. That's that's pretty cool. Shout yeah. out to EJ Fisk. That's you don't see that. At yeah,
1: time. Pennsylvania too sounds like one that's uh, we probably don't, don't get a lot, but yeah, yeah. that that's good. I think. Uh, you know, when you're recruiting such a small high school class, uh, part of it is just like making sure you're you're keeping those relationships with local kids um, and then keeping those ties in basically for us California. Um, and I mean, if you ever have six high school kids coming into the program and none of them are from Utah, um, that that might be a problem like that that's probably a different conversation but yeah um, you're you're always gonna have kids from Utah that you know, want to either play for BYU, Utah, or Utah State, or, or whatever. They want to stay home. Um, the moment that stops happening would, would be a little bit weird. Um, uh, last question I have on this, um, we talked about how, we, you know, we talked about the defense needing a lot of help now. They're bringing in the transfers and the JUCO guys. Um, the offense is in a much better place generally, and, and at least uh, speaking, you know, the personnel the the guys on the field um still no offensive coordinator at this point it uh we have a defensive coordinator uh we we've replaced our defensive coordinator um no word on offensive coordinator i i'm assuming at this point it seems that blake wants all three hats again of quarterback uh quarterback's coach offensive coordinator and head coach um is that so? And if, if, if that's so, I, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, he, he didn't, you're, uh, you're pre yeah, yeah. yeah Sorry, he, go ahead. No, no, you're fine. He didn't, uh, he didn't address that specifically. He, he, the questions were mostly limited to recruiting stuff. Um, yeah. And so like there wasn't really a great chance to try and get that in. Um, that does seem to be the case. I, I, I wonder if maybe there's a little bit more like split, time this this season where like Kyle Cephalo is pitching in a little bit more with play calling stuff as as he continues to learn the ropes as the I think he's the passing game coordinator um, yeah and yeah. I, I I'm, the, the staff is not fully like that's not been like fully announced yet there were several like kind of proto <laughs> announcements on Twitter from coaches who are going to be working at Utah State this upcoming season today. Yeah. Um. I don't know if like maybe there was just like a uh, <laughs> like an NCAA embargo on when you can announce that you've been hired as an, as a coach. Um, yeah, well, even
1: uh, the new defensive coordinator didn't post anything until like today. Uh yeah, What's his Nate
0: Dryling? Um,
1: um. Yeah, Nate Dryling didn't post anything until today, which was. Yeah, and so I I
0: think that there is still like the staff is still a little bit not yet settled, where they're they're just they're getting everything still kind of figured out. Um, I know they brought in a new running backs coach to replace Rodney Freeman, who took the same job at ECU, Um, but there's not been a whole lot of clarity on that. So I I guess that is currently the plan, at least as far as we can tell. Um, I would not be surprised though, like if there is. Some if there's room on the on the staff for someone to be the quarterbacks coach, the actual like hands-on quarterbacks coach, I would not be surprised if that happens. I know that there are guys on the staff as like analysts or, or um, just you know on-field staffers who are not assistants like full time assistants who are trusted to help with that, who maybe one of those guys could step in. Um yeah. but for right now it seems like Blake is going to continue at least being the, the offensive coordinator in yeah. in some capacity. Which like on its face I don't think is the is the worst like I, I think he's a good offensive coordinator. It's just doing all three of those things did seem to be kind of an issue at times last season. Um and I, I would like to see yeah, a little bit more, you know, <laughs> collaboration. Yeah. I guess there just to save him, save him some time, and and free him up to do more offensive coordinator, more head coaching things, rather than just like, oh, he's doing that. He's he's being the head coach. He's coordinating the offense, and he's also working with the quarterbacks directly. Uh, you can do a little bit of all of that, but I don't really know that you can wear all three of those hats full-time because like that is three that's three jobs that's traditionally on yeah. a staff that is three different jobs and they they you know the two of them go pretty much hand-in-hand a lot of quarterbacks coaches are also offensive coordinators and and vice versa Um but to do that and then also be the head coaches is, it is a lot and I, I think it's yeah I, even if it's not like formally recognized I would have a hard time imagining that he wants to after having done that this past season, if he wants to do that, <laughs> that much specifically again, because it just, it seemed like it was a lot. It seemed like it was a lot of hats to wear at once and, and understandably. So, um, so I would not be surprised if there is more help there, but there's not been anything formally, you know, made clear about that yet.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I was seeing the same thing. And honestly, my, you know, do, to just like your your opinion stuff, I think my my thoughts are the same. I it's just a lot of hats, like you said. Like those are three full time legit W two jobs. Like those are those are full time jobs. Uh, he's doing three of them. You can kind of get away with, you know, maybe it's two and a half with quarterbacks and quarterbacks coach and OC kind of going together a little bit. But um, it's just a lot, so it, it'll be it will be interesting to see where that lands and and i would i would not be opposed to uh hiring an offensive coordinator or, or going ahead and you know promoting um calicefalo who i think has done a, a pretty pretty stellar job i will for the fans out there who are going to, who they're thinking about it and they're gonna ask uh matt wells is off the table he was hired by kansas to be uh what is he doing actually down there hard to say <laughs> i don't know good? i, I think kansas might... state i should say not kansas oh
0: uh, he uh, might he might be the new oc there then um i think he's like the co- yeah he's yeah uh, co- co-oc or yeah co-oc and quarterbacks coach at kansas state yeah um
1: okay so officially off the table yeah there you
0: go i don't know, can, know that uh, he stop i i I'll, put a pin in this. yeah I'll, I'll tell you guys i don't know that he was ever on the table but <laughs> yes I in, in theory yeah also
1: don't know i It's a fun thought experiment to do. It's fun. It's a fun way to just like burn an hour on like a Friday night, hanging out with like other Utah State fans to talk about it. But uh, yeah, yeah, let's let's put a pin in that conversation. And there's other things to talk about. He's got a job. He seems happy.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is my. I'll I'll close on this, and then we'll talk some basketball stuff. Um, I will have. I will ask everybody to do the quick experiment of putting yourself in the shoes of Blake Anderson in that situation in um, like maybe a more relatable job than head football coach at Utah state. Cause most people listening probably have not done that. Um, I certainly <laughs> have not done that. Imagine, yeah. I don't, I don't even know what the direct comparison would be job wise, but imagine that you have, you have recently fairly recently taken over a very high profile position in your, in your company. Uh, you are, you are calling the shots. You've been made the CEO and the former CEO is not, currently employed and you have the option to 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 bring him in (laughs) as as a as a guy under you in the organizational tree um and uh you know you you can you can do that or you can do anything else you can do literally you can hire (laughs) anybody else that is not the person who was the ceo of the company before um usually i think in most cases you can understand not really having a ton of interest in doing that. Um, like I think Matt Wells is a very good football coach, obviously had success in various roles yeah. in Utah state. I yeah. also, I don't know that the two really know each other all that well. And that's kind of a big thing in coaching especially with hiring assistants yeah. is guys who, you know, or guys who know guys that, you know. Um, and on top of that, Usually hiring the former head coach of a school in a in a prominent position as like a coordinator. Um like I was still pretty well like well liked enough that he gets recommended for he gets suggested for this job by fans pretty much every year as like an offensive yeah. coordinator. Um not really the best like it, for for <laughs> you, like like your own just kind of job security every loss you'd be hearing about how Matt Wells should be promoted back into the being the head coach and and Blake Anderson should be should be shuffled off um yeah. and that's just not really a position that most people I don't think would want to put themselves in um yeah. and I, I don't blame I don't blame anybody for not really having a ton of interest in that in theory yes in theory pairing those two offensive minds could be very successful in reality these are people who have egos and uh you know backgrounds and context that goes beyond just their skills as football coaches i don't know about the chemistry of that staff i don't know about just how that would work in practice where yeah you lose a game and suddenly the offensive coordinator is all that anybody wants to talk about because he was the head coach before um yeah not just just not something that happens a ton and, and for probably pretty good reason. I, 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 understand where everybody's coming from with that. And I understand where Matt Wells is coming from with that. I don't know how much interest Matt Wells would have in that situation. Just be kind of awkward. It would be kind of an awkward pairing.
1: Well, he, he kind of had the benefit of kind of, and I I don't think he did anything at least that I saw to kind of posture for that job, but he, he had the benefit of kind of making it seem as though he would be, interested without having to be because he's not the one that makes the call and then he gets to go take any other job and he he kind of gets to play off as as the good guy which is great and like you said he's he's well liked and i he's a fantastic coach but i mean we are talking about blake anderson who has not only refused to hire the previous head coach or a, a previous head coach as the offensive coordinator he has refused to hire any offensive coordinator so um maybe we can take baby steps there and just get anybody in that role and uh yeah it doesn't it doesn't have to be uh matt wells it, it can be yeah anybody it man. also doesn't have to be chucky keaton everybody he yeah. has a very good job at montana state sorry to bring that one up that's another can of worms but like this yeah just, this is a <laughs> you we'll leave that man, one for another day man but and like <laughs> uh, keaton and wells both seem happy where they are time will tell they they will both have other jobs i'm not it's just let's just leave it for now yeah. <laughs> Blake can hire somebody. I hope he does. It's not going to be one of those two. Not this round. Yeah,
0: and <laughs> that's this, all I got. This I I really don't want this. I don't want this to come off like I like we like we are railing against fans who say that because like I, I this is a universal experience in in yeah. Like as soon as I take sports. as soon
1: as I walk away from my mic, I'm like, Man, I wish Matt Wells would come back. Yeah, so like, I'm one of these people. I am just <laughs> at this point, I'm trying to be you know I'm trying to be the podcaster I'm trying to yeah. be a professional version of Parker and, <laughs> and understand what I'm saying. but yeah go go ahead
0: yeah no like this this happened this is this is every every single every school every fan base wants guys <laughs> who were at the school yeah. to be back at the school guys who played at the school guys who were successful coaches at the school um I I could speak from specific experience when uh, uh back, I don't remember what year it was it was it was the mid 2010s um, Ohio State had an opening at president, school president, university president, after Gordon Gee was kind of, uh, <laughs> there was a divorce between the two parties, I would say, um, <laughs> and Ohio State needed a new president, and uh, former head coach at Ohio State, Jim Tressel, happens to be, I think, still currently the president at Youngstown State. And you would not be surprised to learn that was the, the, I mean, message boards just absolutely were, they were enamored with the idea of, well, Jim Trestle should be the president. And it's like, that's just a, that is a, that is common ground that every fan base can find with each other is that every single fan base always wants the guy who was there and was successful to just be there again. Um, yeah. and usually you can't like, it's, this is, you know, just any, any former player with, with seemingly any interest in coaching, any former coach with any interest in coaching again, or being an administrator immediately to the top of the board. And it just doesn't usually work out that way. Um, and yeah. for good reason, it usually doesn't work out that way for good reason. Cause there is more ultimately to, filling these jobs all wherever it is around around the sport than just familiarity with the program from having been there before um yeah. it's just it's if you hire just a full team of of you know a full staff of former standout players you're probably not going to be very good is the yeah. is the problem oh but wouldn't it's, that be fun that would be, i would love would be to cool. take an
1: ad job and just like sit there and just like <laughs> You call call the dudes that used to be good at basketball and be like, hey, do you want a job? That'd yeah. be so that'd be so fun. Yeah, this is that's what,
0: mean, that's that's that's, that's pretty... what
1: men already do. Like, yeah. it's like the meme where like men just love to talk <laughs> about old basketball players and like just sit there and like name random players. Yeah, um, but it's like high stakes version of that, and you're actually giving them jobs. Oh, that'd be so fun. Yeah, would be the best.
0: That's the other thing. Most of these guys don't want <laughs> to be coaches.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're like... they're making a lot of yeah. money uh, in in much more secure. Yeah. Uh, fields a lot of times jc carroll yeah, probably it's...
0: doesn't want to be a full-time basketball assistant i think he has other stuff going on i don't know that he just, I just yeah he, he seems like he's doing fine I don't know that
1: he Yeah, that's to... another one yeah that's another to, one that...
0: time to start putting and in you'd... some 80 hour work weeks recruiting high schoolers that sounds fun <laughs> that's
1: <yeah. laughs> that sounds... and you know what no one wants to do is fire that guy no god you... no <laughs> nobody <laughs> wants to be the guy that's the to... Fire JC Carroll. So no. it's a little bit easier to just maybe not hire some yeah. of these guys in the first place, or at least to let them go. And, you know, in the case of Chuck e. Keaton, like he's still really low. He's still really i'm not low, uh, you know, on the, I don't want to say low on the food chain necessarily as much as he is young in his career is probably a better way to put that. Like, yeah, but it, it'll play out. But yeah, we'll.
0: I don't yeah. know. there are there yeah, are plenty it, of good coaches out there who have not already been at Utah State or played at yeah, Utah State and yeah. it's fine yeah they're fine um we'll it's so, a late we'll, night recording session yeah. so
1: you uh, everyone can tell we're we're going on a on a tangent um talking about JC Carroll and Jackie Keaton is – yeah. Uh, as much as I do it in my just all the time, I did not expect that to come up this show. So no. we are—it's a late night recording session. <laughs> yeah. Bear with us, everybody. Yeah. Uh, Let's we, move we to basketball. Yeah, we
0: will move off of this tangent and into the <laughs> women's basketball section. Uh, they have picked up a win since we last recorded. I don't have like an air horn or anything, but you can you can kind of fill in the blank. If I had one, I would be I'd be uh, pressing on it. Um, yep. They hang picked the up banner. a win. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah yep. Hang the banner. Confetti they have a they have a conference horn. win. <laughs> Um, They beat Nevada on the road behind the, uh, I mean, to say behind the efforts of Cheyenne Stubbs would maybe not even be fair, pretty much entirely because of the efforts of Cheyenne Stubbs, who scored a career-high 32 points. Um, they get that road win. They get the, they snap the, I don't remember how many games it had been. It was a long losing streak. They snapped that. Um, (laughs) and, uh, seemingly that was, that was what they were here to do because they have now lost their last two since then. Uh, 20 point loss at home to Fresno state. And then tonight I don't have the score on hand uh 62 to 47 loss at wyoming kind of threatened to make it interesting for a second they played honestly fairly well in the second half but got behind early never really threatened to come back um quiet game a second straight quiet game from cheyenne subs which is kind of the whole question right now is if she goes for 30 points they have a chance and if she doesn't they they don't um and uh, back-to-back losses now for the women's team. A little bit of positivity that they get the win, but it's not like th- th- this is not, I-, I don't think, primed here for a late surge. I-, I don't really know that it was necessarily a matter of figuring things out as much as it was just Cheyenne Stubbs scored 32 points.
1: Yeah, uh, it definitely was Cheyenne Stubbs. There are other players as well. I think Ivory Finley had a really good game that, that night as well. Isabella Tenedo and, and Samiana Sugataraga all played really well and just kind of had, had okay nights, but uh, I think had really big moments. Um, you know, a, a close game like that, you, you kind of need every point you can get, but it was absolutely just Cheyenne Stubbs really getting that, you know, lifting her team to victory. Um you sixty-five to sixty-two in Reno is is really tough. That's not a game with a lot of room for error. Um well what was the she she what was it that she
0: had in the fourth quarter? Wasn't it like nineteen points or something like that? Oh when, I think it was uh, I think it was, it was nineteen.
1: I think it was nineteen it was, in the fourth quarter. It was so much. I'd have to go and like look pull up my notes so I don't have but like yeah, it was, it it was she a lot. just decided. I mean, well watching this game, she just decided at some point in this because there was a good stretch in the middle two quarters where Utah State just refused, refused to take or keep the lead. Like they just could not let their old habits go. They, they—I mean, this team is—they've done this many times before this season where they just can't figure out the way to win, and they almost refuse to win. Uh, and then at some point, Cheyenne Stubbs just decided to change her mind, and she just was uh, unstoppable. To to really say the least down the stretch. Um, but that's the thing is like, it It takes 32 points from Cheyenne Stubbs to win a game right now. Like this, this team is, is in a top spot. I'd love to sit here and talk about how awesome the win was, but you followed up with two more losses and it's just, I mean, it's more of the same with this team. Um, it's, it's tough. And, and I will say, you know, in the positive category, I, I don't think that win against Nevada was a fluke. I don't think Nevada played particularly poorly. Uh, you lose to Utah State, you did something wrong. I mean, Utah State is not a good team, uh, but this is kind of a reflection of what this team could be, uh, or at least what Cheyenne Stubbs could be. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, they're, they're, to say they're figuring it out would be a stretch. Again, they lost two straight after. But even if they were, it's too little too late this this season. I said as much on Twitter, um, I'm glad they got this win. The girls deserve it. They work super, super hard. I think they're really, really talented. Um, but it doesn't change the underlying facts of this season. It doesn't change the issues that the team has. It doesn't change the fact that you're gonna have a losing record. That was I think that's been guaranteed for like two weeks at this point um you're gonna have a not only a losing record but a really really bad record you might not win another conference game um the issues are still there i'm glad they won they deserve it they quite frankly deserve a lot more than just the one conference win but um yeah it's it's uh it was a a, kind of a weird week for for the women's team they definitely they definitely did get that hard-earned win at nevada um but then, I mean, against Wyoming tonight, just not good. I mean, it's hard to win at the double A up in Laramie, but uh, getting blown out by Fresno is, is, yeah, again, not what you want to do. Fresno is a bottom half of the team. Wyoming is very, very good. Miami. Yeah. Like they're talking on the broadcast that they're talking about like an at large bid for Wyoming. Um, that's, that's that going to be a be, tough one. Yeah. That might be a little optimistic. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit optimistic. And Mountain West is a one bid league in the women's on the women's side, um, but they, they could still get there. They they're capable of beating UNLV. Uh, they're they're a very very good team. Is is what I'm trying to say. I but Fresno State's not, and you get blown up by Fresno State. So I don't know. I mean, this team has has a lot of issues. Um, they can do some things right, and and Cheyenne Stubbs kind of heads that up. Uh, she's really really good. She's one of the premier players in the in the conference. Um without a doubt in my mind, i know her her team is not good, but she is is very, very good um but that's that's just where we're at still that's where we've been at for for i think months with this particular squad yeah
0: yep and, and it it really i mean it's just you know it, it it's we're having the same conversation like you said about about this team that we've been having we're like yeah they they probably should be winning at least a little bit more than they are uh, i think that they have the players, in theory, to to do that, we've you know we've we've talked this we've talked about this plenty with the players yeah. on this team being pretty you know some of them being pretty capable, all of them being Division One caliber players, um and it's just not it's just not working. It's just not really going unless Stubbs has a big game and and she's she's just honestly the last two games she's just kind of looked worn out, which is not I mean it's you know hard to blame her for that. Um yeah. she's carrying I, I think. Even, I been tired just watching her sometimes. Yeah, even for her level of of ability, which is which is very high, like you said, one of the best players I think in the conference, it's a lot to ask of of a player to carry a team to this extent, and there's just really not. There's really not a second obvious option. There are players who can step in and help. There are players who I think would, would serve well in like role player spots. A lot of yeah. them. I think there are several really good quality <laughs> yeah. role yeah. players. But there's really only the one standout and, and then there are, you know, like, like young players like Gracie Johnson who are showing a ton of promise but are also freshmen playing their first season and in and, and Johnson's place playing in, in her case playing like her first games of the season because she was hurt for a lot of the first half of the year. Yeah. Um, and it's just like there's just not enough. There's the the foundation is not strong enough unless Cheyenne Stubbs carries 20, 25, 30 points. And that is just, that's a lot to ask of a player, uh, especially yeah. when everybody on the floor knows that on both sides. Everybody on the floor knows. That yeah. if you if you just pretty much if you just stop Cheyenne Stubbs you will you'll beat Utah State probably pretty comfortably, um, and that has been that has been the case in the past two games. And sometimes she makes herself unstoppable, but that is a tall task for anybody. Uh, it would be a tall task if you put you know uh what you know (laughs) like Desiree Young or or uh McKenna Hofschild on this team like it would be a tall task for them to do that and those are the two best players in the conference and two of the best players in the country it would be a lot to ask if you put Caitlin Clark on this team maybe it would be a different (laughs) conversation but it would still be like that's you're gonna have to go for 40 every single night and you still might lose sometimes you'll still probably lose you know 11, 12, 13 games. Even when yeah. you go for 40, it's it's demoralizing. It is it is just that's hard to do for a full season. It's hard to blame her for struggling these last couple games.
1: Yeah, Caitlin Clark on this Utah State team is uh, <laughs> fun, to, fun to think about how that <laughs> would happen. How that would come fun, about. <laughs> fun thing to think about. We would I, I would predict that we would have a winning record. <laughs> I don't know how by how much, Boy, that is, um, and that and is we telling. are talking about Caitlin Clark, <laughs> who is uh, probably the most dominant athlete on the college sports landscape right now. Like, yeah, across all sports, she is the the level to which she plays versus everybody else around her is night and day. Um, and and yeah, they'd probably be they'd probably be five hundred, probably. Yeah. We, <laughs>
0: we've joked I don't know if we've joked about this on the air before but we've certainly joked about it off the air um maybe you just she has another year left she has a covid year left maybe you make a like a player coach offer to her this off season <laughs> you can you can make it, you can start you can make a salary you can come in and be the player and the head coach uh and uh and you know bring in bring in a decent a decent chunk of change start start building up some generational wealth and and move on to the WNBA after that maybe you maybe <laughs>
1: make that let call me, let, let me ask you something <laughs> honestly would you take that offer no but <laughs> <laughs> how yeah. much money how much money does the state of utah have oh man that would yeah because Caitlin that... clark's not gonna make any money playing basketball no
0: probably yeah i i, I can't imagine even right now i can't imagine she's strapped for cash probably probably <laughs> yeah, doing pretty she's... well maybe uh probably paid well yeah maybe
1: uh, uh our sights are too high i think on that one Let's... yeah yeah. Let's focus on keeping Gracie Johnson around for after yeah. this year. Yeah,
0: maybe offer the position to Gracie Johnson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Go from there. Uh, uh, yeah. The, yeah, but yeah,
1: the te- the team's in a rough spot. It is it is Cheyenne Stubbs' team. Like you said, there's not really a clear, uh, outside of her, there's not a clear game plan. I think when she's doing well, there's a there can be a clear number two in, in, in Ivory Finley. I think she plays a really, really good game off of Cheyenne Stubbs, but uh, when Stubbs doesn't, isn't able to be unstoppable, which as you just mentioned, is even hard, would be hard for Caitlin Clark on this team. Um, There's just not somebody that can step up. There's people that can, that can try. I think Sue has been uh, spectacular the last couple of days, um, just in a role that is too much for her. She uh, is not supposed to be the leading scorer. She's supposed to be doing everything else and making your team look really, really good. Um, there's just not enough. There's just not a game plan when when Cheyenne Stubbs is not able to be yeah. uh, unstoppable. The, the game plan is have Cheyenne Stubbs score twenty five points and then see what happens. And you know, to be completely honest, that's why we're four and sixteen right now. So yeah. that's just that's just where the team's at. Yep. Uh, where it will be for the rest of the season. We'll we'll let you guys know if we win another game. Yeah. But uh
0: Well, yeah, we'll be honest. We'll, a little get, bit more of the same. I'll go yeah. get a, I'll go get an air horn. I'll be ready. <laughs>
1: okay. There we go. If they win another game, we're, you're buying an air horn. I've I've we got, got a
0: uh I think I actually do technically have a soundboard here in the mixing board that I use for the podcast. I I don't know. I probably could get that set up. We'll see. I don't know if I'm going to well, you are going to have to learn if Utah yeah. State
1: wins another game. Yeah, Uh, you're going to have to learn. We'll see if that happens, but you. If they do
0: fun, fun state of affairs. Um,
1: (laughs) So yeah, out of the frying pan into the fire, let's jump over to the men's side where things are just even more disastrous than than we could even, I don't don't, Yeah. (laughs) I could even explain.
0: Yeah. uh, Yes. Yes. On the face. Yes. Um, That's probably a good place (laughs) to start. As we said earlier, the sky is falling. Um, Utah state. Caitlin Clark
1: on the Utah state men's team. Could we win a game? (laughs) She could, she could could hit
0: some trees (laughs) and that would be helpful. <laughs>
1: that would be oh my goodness caitlin clark actually on this that's like me that would be a championship caliber team that would be uh, unstoppable that would be, be so good that would be fun people would get, she would be probably the best three-point shooter on the team i think
0: yeah ian martinez maybe could give her a run for her money but like if she's open i'd i, I I know who I know which one of them I would trust a little bit more to hit the shot. Yeah. Um, boy, that would make, that would make people really, really mad. That would be fun. We're, um, <laughs> yeah. We're onto something now. <laughs> yeah. Now we're talking. Um, no, the men's team has lost two games in a row for the first time this season. Um, it is for all of the, I mean, it's 19 and four, they're 19 and four, they're seven yeah. and three in the mountain West. They dropped a road game at San Diego state on Saturday. That is just, that's fine. It happens. Pretty much everybody does that. I believe everybody in the Mountain West who has played there this season has done that. Um, uh, I, yeah, so
1: far this season, and not only this season, but but going back, I think, in the last season. They,
0: yeah, I actually... Um, they don't lose there. When I was preparing the preview for that game, I actually went back to... How far was it? I went back to 2010 um, to see who all had managed to beat them in conference play. Um, Ooh, and. interesting. Uh, I believe there were. I, I believe it has happened. If I'm remembering correctly, I'm looking at the list right now. I'm not gonna try and count it on the show. I think I think it's happened 15 times since 2010, um, which is not very many times. It's 14 seasons, 15 wow. seasons. Um, yeah.
1: As a reminder for everybody, it is now 2024.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So they, that uh, is a long time. Yeah. They they dropped back to back ones to BYU oh, in 2010 wow. and 2011. Um, back to back to New Mexico in 2012 and 2013, back to back to Boise state in 2015 and 2016. Um, they took three in 2017. I believe that was either the last Fisher year, or the first Dutcher year, um, to Colorado state Fresno or, uh, New Mexico, Colorado state and Fresno state. Um, then they had, uh, of those three teams, I'm actually going to put this to you to see if, uh, see if you can, you can hit a little bit of trivia here. Um, so okay. of those three teams that beat them in 2017, which was New Mexico, Colorado state and Fresno state, um, which of those three do you think then also beat them in San Diego in both 2018
1: and 2019? okay. So all three of those teams beat them in twenty seventeen.
0: Yes, Colorado State, New Mexico, and Fresno State all won at San Diego State in twenty seventeen, and then one of those three also was the lone team to win there in twenty eighteen and twenty
1: nineteen. Oh man, that see those. I don't think those are even the ones I would have guessed. I probably would have guessed Nevada. Who's mm-hmm. not even on that
0: list? Nevada has never um, has not since twenty ten has not beaten them Nevada has not beaten really? them at San Diego State yep they're one of the ones that wow has
1: it. that is actually very surprising to me because I mean you you look at those I'll, I'll get to the trivia in a second like you look at some of those teams like those BYU teams early on those New Mexico teams those are like generational teams those are teams those are like 2k like yeah to build your own teams I mean they had NBA players those are teams that like those are teams are that people banners. remember. Yeah. Those are, they those hung are banners. They cut yeah. nets and they hung banners. Like those are good teams. So, um, Nevada's had a couple of those teams. I'm surprised none of them have, have won at VA Haas. Uh, yeah. I'm sort of surprised it's tough to win there. Um, so, I, yeah. I'm going to go Fresno because I feel like that's the last option I would pick, yeah. which makes me think it would be Fresno. Yeah, you got it.
0: It was Fresno. Really? <laughs> yep. It was Fresno. Yeah. Fresno did it in 2017, ah. 2018 and 2019. I don't know how the hell they did that.
1: <laughs> that is so impressive. Uh, they had some good teams. Not that good, though. That no, I No, they remember. were in, in that Ken That is really impressive.
0: Yeah, and Ken Palm in those years, they were 98th, 79th, and 71st. So it wasn't like they were amazing, they were fine. I think those were the Rodney wow. Terry years. Um, and uh, I guess they just had the formula for beating San Diego State on the road that wow. like half of the conference has still not yet found. It is like. I think it's like five of the teams in the current league as constructed have successfully done it. Um,
1: yeah. It, it is so hard to win down yeah. there. And then wow, since that's impressive.
0: Yeah. And then since then UNLV famously in 2020 a not very good UNLV team was the one that, that uh, I believe gave San Diego state its first loss. And then I think everybody listening knows who gave San Diego state its second loss. Yeah. Um, Colorado State in 2021, Boise State in 2022 on its way to winning the conference, and then New Mexico last year. Uh, That's the list. That's the full list. I just told you every single team in the Mountain West that has beaten San Diego State since 2010. That was 14 years ago. Um, Those check out. And one
1: of them's not even here anymore. One's in the big 12 right yeah. now. So that kind of tells you a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Two of the 15 wins oh, belong wow. to a program that's no longer even in the league and hasn't been wow. for quite some time. Yeah. Um, it's hard to do. And, and it's, it's I my impression leaving that game, watching the game, all of it was just like, okay, yeah, it's hard to do. It's hard to win at VA house. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's like, I going into the game, even though I thought the matchup was, was not terrible for Utah state. um if if everything broke the right way, right? Which it didn't. Cuz San Diego State shot that cover off of the basketball from mid-range with guys who don't usually shoot all that well. Yeah. Um and like you know Jay Paul went 5 of 5 from the field and it's just one of those one of those games. Um but like it's it's you would it would need to be one of those. It would need to be one where everything goes right and it it wasn't. Utah State didn't shoot especially well. San Diego State did. San Diego State got big contributions from guys who have been kind of up and down um didn't even really need Jaden Lee all that much. He had 16 points. He was good. I mean, he's always good, but he was not. Yeah. He didn't take over the game. It's just Utah State was not hitting shots that it usually hits and San Diego State was hitting shots that it usually doesn't hit. And you just kind of you know, leaving, leaving watching that game, writing about that game. It's just one of those where you kind of throw your hands up and say, "Okay, you know, yeah, they got yeah, they got absolutely. they got you there. It happens." Um and I, I don't think that there's really a ton else. Like it's it it is what it is. Really, really good teams have gone into that building routinely and lost. It happens every single year. It is not the yeah. end of the world. However, that is not the most recent game here that we're going to talk about. <laughs> and the most recent game, which happened on Tuesday night, uh, yesterday, as we record this on Wednesday night, um, I, I uh, watched from the baseline as I was shooting shooting my shooting my photos uh and slowly the the realization crept over me as the game carried on that Utah State was not going to find its way out of the bag that it was in uh Utah State almost always seemingly this season has found its way out of the bag that it's in and uh and and found a way to win games and and pulled it together when it needs to staged comebacks, um, just found ways to get stops and to score baskets down the stretch of games, get it into the last five minutes has always been kind of the thing for this team, and then win from there. Um, and they they hinted toward it several times in the second half, several times it felt like they were going to do that, and then they yeah. just never did. And they fell yeah. in uh, – uh, the, final, the final score I don't think was – I'm grabbing my – I have my paper box score I'm going to grab real quick yeah the final score seventy seven for nevada sixty three for Utah State I don't think was entirely fair to Utah State. They did lose though it was not like oh they you know they should have won that game. it was just, yeah, just a couple things went wrong like no they lost the game they lost the game probably by about like i would say it felt like about a ten point loss yeah, fourteen took- was <laughs> fourteen was kind of just piling it on there at the end, and I don't really, I you can't really blame Nevada for that. Utah State uh, wasn't doing no, anything to yeah. stop them from doing that. Um, yeah, but just never really, never really did it. Never really did the thing where they actually staged the comeback. Never got the consecutive stops that they needed. Never really got any stops in the second half. I don't know exactly what the points per possession was in the second half for Nevada, but it was high. Um, it was a lot, and uh, just didn't play well. I mean, it's it's really. I think for the first time this season, Utah State lost a game where I think it just straight up just did not play well. And it was not a matter of like, oh, the other team was you know at home or shot really well or was at home and shot really well or it's the second game of the season with a brand new team and you're playing at Bradley which is now also playing really well and seems to be yeah. legitimately very good now that they're healthy again um like mm-hmm. they were in game two um this was not like one of those this was not Bradley this was not New Mexico it was not San Diego State this was Utah State just not playing well um they came out pretty yeah. well they had a seven point lead about halfway through the first half and it, it seemed like things were, were okay. I, I had a brief thought in the first half that they were going to blow them out, uh, which, <laughs> as it turns out, Ooh. was not the case. Um, but it did, like, the defense was getting stops. I think the defense was getting also maybe a little bit lucky with Nevada not hitting shots that it was probably pretty happy to take. Um, and then in the second half that, uh, I mean, really not even just the second half, the end of the first half, the second half of the first half, and then the entire second frame, Utah state just really did not look good. Really just didn't look good. Looked kind of listless, looked frustrated. Um and uh and and brought about I would say quite a bit of concern with this performance from everybody, from the players, from the coaches, from the people who were yeah. there on you know on press row from me on the baseline um from certainly the, the people who filled the spectrum from the people who were watching outside of the spectrum um everybody i i think in it's just it was a it was a troubling game it was a very 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 concerning performance i am not ready to extrapolate this into a long-term projection on like oh the you know the sky is falling i don't think we're yeah. there quite yet they're 19 and four again it's 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 a bad loss it was it was ugly it was an ugly performance i'm not quite ready to to do that because i have seen this team respond to adversity well before i have seen this team adapt to uh, all manner of things before and i think that they are capable of doing that i also think that nevada is firmly good and has a ton of talent and probably should be better than it is and i think played up to its potential in this game rather yeah. than below uh, it which is, it has done for much of the mountain west season like keenan blackshear jared lucas and nick davidson's a pretty good top three to have and jared lucas didn't even play well oh, yeah um, yeah that's <laughs> true he was
1: in foul trouble kind of in foul trouble and kind of just didn't play he does, super great he doesn't um, he doesn't so yeah, uh I-
0: he doesn't fare super well in the spectrum, has been my impression of Jared Lucas. I would guess that he's probably yeah. glad to not have to play in the spectrum again after this one. Yeah, you can't hold um, it against him. Yeah. yeah. And Keenan Blackshear,
1: on the other hand, looked like he <laughs> was going to not fare well in the spectrum and then proceeded to yeah. play very well. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then meanwhile, Nick Davidson just quietly with a 25 oh and 10 goodness. on 10 of 14 shooting from the field. Um, I mean, Nick sh-
1: Davidson. He looks like the exact type of guy you would expect to be playing in a Nevada versus Utah State basketball game yeah. in like the the whack days. Yeah. Um it like yeah, it was he was so good. <laughs> yeah.
0: He 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 played really, really well. He put up a career high for scoring and, and Utah State just did not have answers for him. And and so like I no. think that it, it is in in the same sentence, you can give a ton of credit to Nevada for playing as well as it did, for playing up to that massive potential. I thought their defense was terrific all game. Um, they have really really strong length. They're very very athletic, and I thought that they're just their effort level was really really strong. And it yeah. was it was it gave Utah State a lot of trouble offensively all game um, and defensively. <laughs> but in that same sentence, you can also say Utah State just didn't play well. Just Did not play well. The effort was not there. Danny Sprinkle was pretty clearly not happy with the effort during the game. After the game, it's hard to blame him. Um, Utah State just looked kind of directionless, kind of slow, kind of uninterested, a little bit just frustrated. Um yeah. I, yeah I it it looked like a team that is playing conference basketball in early February and realizing that you've already done a month of this and you still have to do another month of it and it's yeah. not going to get any easier. Um and you know you just played at San Diego State now you have to come home and play these guys who are huge and experienced and then on yeah. Saturday you have to play Boise State and Stu Morrill's is going to be there and you don't want to disappoint him. Um yeah <laughs> yeah and That's- like, that's The, yeah. the it did. They looked like a team that was not really having a lot of fun playing basketball because they understood and felt the external pressure that is all on them. Um I think so. Yeah. And that is not a good place to be. And I, I think that this, you know, that was really the the main thing that I took away from this game. It's like these guys just they're not having fun. They you just gotta, it will, you gotta, yeah. you gotta loosen up a little bit, guys. It's not you're not getting your teeth pulled here. You're playing basketball. It's fun. It's supposed to be fun. And at no point did it look like they were having any fun. At no point did they look like cohesive or confident or or loose or even like aggressive. Um, And I thought it was the same problem that we saw last week, even when they beat San Jose State by 21. And it was what Danny Sprinkle was kind of talking about after that game, where just kind of fundamental stuff breaking down, you know, more turnovers than they would like, silly turnovers that you don't really need to be committing unforced errors. Um, not fighting for rebounds with the full level of effort that they expect, not helping on defense like at all. The the help defense in this game was pretty much non-existent. They 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 could not bad. they could not <laughs> yeah, deny they they didn't deny basically any post passes all game. And once the ball got in there in the first half, usually they were just the shot just went up and they let it fall. And then in the second half, they sent Nevada to the free throw line for twenty-three shots and. Yeah, you can you can boo the refs. You can complain about it on Twitter. They were fouls. It was fouls. Utah State did this to itself. It was not a good performance. It was not the effort was not there. And when you play on the back foot, and when you play without helping on defense, you're gonna get a lot of fouls called on you because they were fouling. And yeah, they, they just it, this Utah state did this to itself with 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 effort with energy level with all of the stuff that coaches talk about they're right they're they're right to talk about that you can't win basketball games with that kind of approach it's just not going to especially if you don't have five stars at every position which utah state doesn't have um it's hard to do it's hard, it's hard to make up for that and when you don't shoot super well from the field when you don't really get transition points. They had six fast break points uh, and six points off of Nevada turnovers. It's you're it's an uphill climb, and you're making it you're making it that much harder when the effort isn't fully there. It just it 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 was it was not an inspiring performance.
1: No, no, not at all. And you know this. So the Nevada game is the most recent one, but just kind of looking at the body of work since we've we've been. Uh, since we've recorded, I mean, we we haven't even recorded since the win at Boise. Um, so we did that huge win yeah. at Boise. Which would have been a very uh, different which...
0: conversation than the one that we're having now. I was thinking about that earlier. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, very, very, very different, obviously. Uh, huge win. You kind of go and, and steal one there. Uh, and then you come, uh, you come home, or uh, they play. Oh, then it was vias right? No, they, um, pl-
0: they played San Jose State and looked. Not very good in a twenty one point. That's win. right. And then yeah, they went been, to San Diego State. Wow. Yeah. It's it's been a long time.
1: Yeah. Um and then you then you go to Viejas, then you lose to Nevada. Uh so in in that span, there's some things that worry me, there's some things that don't. The things that don't worry me, obviously winning at Boise does not worry me. That ha- had me ecstatic. I think that's uh, you know, we we talked going into that, like you probably gotta steal one. That's that's one of those things where like this team has to do everything we needed to and more. That's more. Going out and winning at Boise is more. Uh, losing at Viejas doesn't worry me. Uh, there were some things about the game that I didn't love. But you know what? Like, if you are going to lose to Viejas and it takes San Diego State, take uh, you know, shooting lights out and Utah State having a bad game, if that's what it takes to lose at San Diego State, uh, I can live with that. That's fine. Um, uh, going into San Jose State, I – a win is a win. There's things that worry me getting into this Nevada game. There's a, uh, there's a lot that, that worry me, uh, here with this game. It, this is, as you said, it's a bad loss. It's not a bad loss because of the opponent. Nevada is very, very good. They yeah. are currently five and four in conference. They are going to be something and four for a while. I think they are really, really good. Um, uh, actually, no, they're not because they play uh, San Diego State, so they might actually lose some more games. But they are very, very good. They, um, <laughs> I, I take it back. They're yeah. probably gonna probably gonna be back to five and five here in a minute. Um, but we, I mean, when we talk, uh, when Mountain West fans talk online and, and talk about a six bid Mountain West, you're talking about Nevada. Like people have to understand, like it's Nevada, UNLV, Colorado State. Those are the teams you're talking about. Um, Nevada is not a bad team. I'm not upset with this loss. Uh, just from that aspect of it, if it was in Reno, that's fine. What makes it a bad loss is uh, a 14 point loss at home and what it looked like. Um, This is the most lost I've seen a Danny Sprinkle team play. Uh, Defensively was, was really disappointing. The effort wasn't there. Great. Osabor was having just a hard time getting back on defense. It seemed like, it seemed like a lot of guys were, but uh, great in particular uh, was not getting back and, Trust me, I'm not the only one that noticed it. Coach Sprinkle noticed it and he was mm-hmm. getting on him throughout the game. Um, there were times where Isaac Johnson didn't know where he was supposed to be, and Darius Brown and Gray Osborne were like kind of talking to him during and after plays, like, what's going on?
0: Yeah. Um on it's...
1: offense, it was it was lost they would drive and then not know what to do and try to kind of draw a foul. It was it was the ugliest I've seen this team play, and that's what makes it a bad loss. You yeah. Know? It's it, was, it looked really, really rough. Something to bounce back from and fast, uh, for sure. Yeah. I have a
0: couple things within that to, to kind of hammer on. First, okay. Firstly, yeah, yeah, yeah. you mentioned with Isaac Johnson, and that did happen. That was on several occasions. Other guys, like, trying to point yeah. him in the right direction. There was one moment specifically that kind of stood out to me that I, I don't know how much it shows up on, like, the broadcast, but it was right in front of me on the, on the floor. There was one point in the second half where... Ian Martinez is setting up at the top of the key, has the ball, trying to get. I don't know what play they were trying to run, but they were trying to get something, get into an action. And Carson Templin is out there. And poor Carson Templin doesn't really seem to know exactly what he's supposed to be doing on offense. And Ian Martinez yeah, is not ever. Yeah, and Ian Martinez is not at all happy about the fact that Carson Templin doesn't know
1: what he seems to
0: be <laughs> doing on offense. And it was kind of this weird like you don't really see this a ton within a within an actual like the flow of a game. You'll see it during timeouts, you'll see it during like like quick little huddles you'll see it once plays are over but during the actual span of the play ian martinez is like yelling at carson templin to be in the right place and it's like oh yeah i don't love that i don't love that i don't yeah. love that you, I, I just that's that you don't the, the body language not great on that one um yeah and that in so general bad. if you're doing body body language analysis this is not you're not going to come away from this game feeling great um yeah, and and then yeah, yeah, Nevada. <laughs> yeah, fun. Nevada's chilling. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, and, and then the other thing with the the hunting for fouls, uh, which uh, I guess I have a third thing as well, but I have a couple quotes from. Okay, spring. okay. Um, and uh, the the hunting for for fouls thing absolutely stood out to me, especially yep, especially me on, on offense when they would drive and and go up for shots, and it, it just it seemed like every time the shot didn't fall or it got knocked loose or anything other than the desired outcome happened it was just like like a a catastrophe and and like Utah State was like at at different points in the game especially in the second half seemingly looking specifically to get fouled rather than looking to score which has been an issue at times for this team this season and like yeah, that it's good to get to the free throw line. Having a high free throw rate is good for a team to win games. It's it's helpful, but when you do that, you won't get fouls. It's not how you. That's just not how you draw fouls. You, you the high free throw rate that Utah State has at this point in the season is from the times when it isn't doing that. When it's just playing and being aggressive and, and attacking the basket and playing normal basketball because they're not <laughs> they're not gonna give you, you know like uh I, I don't know what the like the, the, the courtesy calls it's it's not going to be like oh here's a here's a pity foul because you looked so sad after i didn't call the last one like they're not
1: yeah you have it's to not how it works. you
0: have to go play and make nevada make a non basketball play that's how you can't just you can't convince them you can't uh You can't just change the flow of the game by hoping for the best that you can you can look like you got fouled enough and then you'll actually get you'll actually get fouled. It's not how it works and refs know when you're doing that. They're not dumb. They're not. These guys have been doing this. I've seen these names that I'm seeing here for the officials on these box scores before they've been doing that. Uh They're not they're not they're not going to get tricked by that. Um, And you can you can get away with a couple of those when you're being aggressive you can get some borderline calls shifted in your direction. When you're playing like Utah State was in this game, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt because you're probably not being fouled. You're probably looking to get a freebie. You're probably looking to get two shots at the free throw line, and you're not really looking to score. Um, and Danny Sprinkle was asked about some of the fouls and uh, just the, the reactions to them throughout the game afterward. And he had a, uh, he had a quote that I like and that I think pretty well sums up where I'm at with this as well. He said, quote, uh, stop whining and play harder. We didn't deserve the calls. When you're aggressive, you get the calls. Nevada was aggressive and they did. I thought we were really soft at the front of the rim. We missed a lot of shots in both, both halves that you have to make. And that's about toughness and playing hard. Yeah, he's right. It's just, just go play. And if you get the fouls, good. It's that's fine. But you can't when you go into a game seeking fouls, you will not get them. It's not the way that the game works. It doesn't. It doesn't reward. Basketball does not reward that unless it's. I guess the NBA seems to. But <laughs> it's, this is not really. You can't really do that here. It's not. It just doesn't yeah. really work all that well unless you're also playing aggressively. Then you can get away with it a little bit. But in this case it was just like you're trying to dig out of a hole and you don't have a shovel you can't you're not nobody 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 buys this nobody believes that you are actually getting fouled here because you're looking for it every single time you get touched every single time you go into the paint um and yeah that's absolutely right and
1: that's just like the the mark of that's the sure the the true sign of an offense that can't find its legs i mean once you start trying to get the reps on your side like that, it's, it means you're not getting what you want. Like that's, that means you're lost.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing, the, the fatigue thing, the, the energy thing, um, the, so for, for what it is, for what it is worth, I know that there has been a little bit of, of concern about like potential health about, you know, I, I, you know, great awesome hyperextended his knee a couple weeks ago at, at New Mexico and has been hobbling at, at some times. I know Darius Brown has been wrapped up, uh, I think his ankle has been wrapped up, and and guys just some of them just kind of looked a little bit a little bit worse for wear. Um, when asked about this after the game, Danny Sprinkle gave the shortest answer. I did not. I did to be to be clear, I did not ask this question. I would not ask this question because I've talked to Danny Sprinkle all year, and I kind of pick up that this is not something he's going to take the bait on. Um, but he was asked if health was a factor in the game. His entire quote I can read for you verbatim here was no. <laughs> They need to play harder. That was the whole quote. (laughs) That was the entire. That was his entire answer. He he started saying no before the question was even out. He he just no, (laughs) no. Yeah, that is such a
1: dirty sprinkle. Yeah, like. Uh, yeah. So, that's
0: <laughs> no. It's not a factor. Health is not a factor. No. Um, no, I, I, it's not. I think if health was a factor, the guys probably wouldn't be on the floor. Is is the is the thing? Um, they wouldn't be playing if they were if they were hurt enough that it is a factor. They wouldn't be on the floor. Um, yeah. And, uh, if they're
1: on the court, they can pay rent.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and so I think that that's kind of that's kind of where Utah State finds itself now uh, as we as we head into what is suddenly. Uh, I mean what feels essentially like a must-win game on on Saturday against Boise State I, I
1: Yeah, yeah, I
0: You you the path gets very very difficult if you lose that game and you suddenly find yourself yeah. amid a three-game losing streak. I don't know uh what the game is after that one. I think they might get a brief reprieve. Um I mean, I guess they're at Lar- they're at Wyoming in Laramie on Wednesday. Um uh. So it's tough, yeah, kind of, kind of a break, and then you're at Colorado State, <laughs> and then it's home Gosh. against San Diego State. Um, so no, so no, yeah, it's, yeah, uh, all
1: gas, yeah. But so
0: not much of a break there. A while, um, yeah. and so kind of need to win this one. Kind of need to get back on track and and <laughs> build up a little bit of momentum heading into. Laramie, because I it, that's a hard place to snap out of a dry spell. Um if you go yeah, in with momentum, yeah. you have a much better shot at it. As I don't I don't think that Wyoming is really all that good. Um but they're they're formidable especially at home. Um
1: So Wyoming Wyoming's a team that they they're not going to go win the conference, but they are good enough to screw it up for somebody else. Yeah. Uh, they beat Nevada and Colorado State. Yeah. Um they're they're just just good enough to mess everything up for everybody else. If you take a three-game losing streak into Laramie, um, the Cowboys are looking to add one more to that. They they are they're twelve and eleven on the season right now, but two really impressive wins. Um, they're just weird and they're they're sneaky and playing in Laramie's tough. I, I don't want to take a three-game losing streak to to Laramie. I, yeah, I don't want to do that. That's not yeah. what I want to do.
0: Yeah, and and so like Utah State has and I'm going to write as much in the cover story, like Utah state paid enough rent in January to buy itself a margin for error here. You can, they, right. they're, they're right. still tied atop the mountain West right now with games yes. left against, I think every other team that has three losses. Um, I'm pretty sure, uh, cause Nevada has four. Um, Yes, a- and also is playing San Diego State next, so probably going to have five pretty soon. <laughs> they have five, <laughs> um, yeah. But like the that margin, they've spent it now. You did it. You you can't you 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 had enough room to take one loss that you probably shouldn't take. I don't think that the San yep. Diego State game would count as that. That's a loss you kind of bake in uh yeah absolutely absolutely this was the one that you bought that that margin for you do this and then you got to bounce back then you gotta start paying it again or else the landlord's going to come knocking um yep. and it, it becomes a very very important game and it becomes a game where i you know they're it, it, like they're capable obviously of winning that game they beat boise state on the road uh not that long ago and at yeah. their at their best i think utah state is wholly capable of beating boise state um yes. especially at home i like if we're talking about utah state you know optimal utah state prime performance utah state they win that game probably fairly comfortably um but that's not really the case right now and it's it's a matter of what does this week look like for utah state and i think that this is a place where where you can the season can really kind of go in in two directions here. If you get back on track, you're back on track and you're fine. And you get momentum yeah. going, you go to you go to Laramie, you get you you know, maybe pick up a win there, you'll be favored and then you head into that that stretch of at Colorado State and San Diego State and if you split those, you're totally fine. And even if yeah. you lose them both, it's not the end of the world. But you drop, you know, you drop the the Boise State game, even if you beat Wyoming, you're looking at a slate where you're probably losing four or five, and then you're, you know, heading into the end of the season not really in contention at the top of the Mountain West unless you get lucky, um, yeah. which is not really where Utah State wants to be at this point. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm really curious to see how they handle this. I'm really curious to see how they respond to this specific adversity because it does look, it's not so much like. I don't I I really don't think that this was a matter of like schematic disadvantage of of being not able to win the game of not being able to compete with with Nevada and what Nevada does. I don't think that this is like I this this has been sort of a a popular sentiment Coming out of this game, that the, the 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 Utah State puzzle has been solved by the conference. I don't think that that's the case. I really, really don't. Because no, oh, not at all. If you do not it, if you do it at maximal effort level, if you do it at full capacity, it doesn't matter that they know that Great Osabar is good. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Everybody knows that. Everybody's yeah. known that for two months now, and nobody figured it out until Utah State stopped fighting for rebounds on defense and stopped helping each other on defense and stopped creating transition points which are things that yeah. it has done and had to do all season that's not scheme that's effort that is not being figured out that is not doing your jobs as yeah. you know within what this team has to do and it's it's yeah not... and,
1: and like shooting 39 percent from the field yeah goes into that category <laughs> yeah. as well like which that's I, not scheme yeah. that's not doing your job yeah and the, like the, do, the if deep... you do your job 23 percent from three Thirty nine percent from field from the field, not not
0: good. Yeah, and and like a decent amount of that I would I would say comes from the lack of of transition points, which has been a staple of this team all year. It's one of the best transition scoring teams in in the country. And it hasn't been the last two games. It hasn't been able to get stops consecutively. I mean, in the second half, I wrote about this in the notebook after the San Diego State game. In the second half, I think it had exactly five opportunities where it scored, and then San Diego State didn't score on the other end, and then Utah State got the ball back and, and scored, I believe, two points on those five opportunities. And five opportunities is not that many in a half. And so you can't really you can't make up for a deficit that way and that was the same thing that we saw on on Tuesday but that is not a matter of like they were still getting pretty good shots they just they they weren't hitting those shots and then they weren't they weren't doing the stuff that you have to do if you're not hitting shots to overcome it they they the the effort plays were not there i don't think that that is a a fundamental like the team is broken I don't think it's that I don't think that it is a, a, a you know an inescapable they're just they're, they're doomed because everybody knows that great Ossiphor is good now they, they've known that they've they've been doubling great Ossiphor for three months now um, yeah. This, yeah they've handled it better before than they did in these last two games and I don't think that anything changed specifically other than effort level and other than you played two really big physical teams that that executed well Um but it's just, you know, we'll see where it goes. <laughs> we'll see which path they take because if the team that played on Tuesday night shows up against Boise State, it's not going to go well. And it's not, you know, it's not out of hand. It's not completely, like, it's not it's not a, a foregone conclusion. They could absolutely reel it back in. But that is what yep. this week is is for, is reeling it back in, getting the guys back on track, getting confidence back, and and just kind of... Recouping that cohesion that has been gone for these last couple games that was so important for that 19-2 and two start to the season, um, yeah. that, that confidence, uh, Mason, Fosslev, uh, Mason Fosslev said after the game, just like swagger in, in the game, got to have that back. You got to be playing like you like it, <laughs> playing like you enjoy playing basketball with each other. And I think that that is really just – that is what this week is about is can you rediscover that, that confidence and that – kind of free flowing everybody's working really hard everybody's putting in full effort but you're also having fun and you're you're playing with confidence and you're playing aggressively because it just hasn't been there these last two games.
1: Yeah that's that's absolutely right. I mean you're still uh tied for first in the in the conference it is like a it's like a four-way tie like half the conference is up there um you're still tied it's it's us New Mexico San Diego State and Boise State right who are all seven and three um, you're still on on track for for everything we were talking about a week ago. You're still on track for for playing in March and, and all those things. That a conference title is still in contention. Um however, you did come a little bit derailed. You gotta get back on track and you gotta do it soon. Um, I think if you look at the season, you know, where we were at, even just with Lance you know, a couple of weeks ago and before that, um the, the goal hasn't changed. We haven't moved the goalpost here. We we kind of said all along, you're going to have to win all your games at home. And then you're going to have to go on the road at New Mexico, at San Diego State, at Boise State, at Colorado State, at Nevada, win some of those games. Um, that's going to be necessary. So we did that. We, we did a little bit of that. We went to Boise State. We got to win. Uh, we understand that you're not going to win at San Diego State. That's fine. But dropping that game at home, that, that to me is the first game, you know, losing to Nevada at home is that, that first moment where it's like, Oh, Hey, hold up. That's not what we're supposed to do. Like this is the first time we've done something. Yeah. This is a misstep. We're supposed to protect the spectrum. We can't really lose at home. Certainly can't do it again. You're, you're kind of getting into win, you know, must win territory. You're, you're getting to the point where you, you don't want to fall behind on rent. Uh, and then yeah. like you said, you, you kind of, you, you paid in advance, you, you, took care of business earlier on to, to maybe buy off that Nevada game. Um, but, but rent, rents come and do again and you can't fall behind. And I I do think they're in, a, in a, a little bit of a weird spot to close out this week against Boise state where it's like, yeah, everything is still on track to be really, really great. Uh, you know, everything is still pretty much where you would hope and dream it would be. Uh, but they they looked really bad against Nevada, and they need to bounce back because they, they, that margin of error is, is certainly uh, shrinking.
0: Yeah, yep, and uh, I, I think that's probably the right place to end it here. Um, we will see what that conversation looks like after Saturday. I think it really could go either way. We'll see. Um, yeah. We will be back, of course, to talk about that, to talk about probably the game against Wyoming as well. Um and anything else going on in the world of Utah State athletics, the always wild world of Utah State athletics. Yeah. Um, I <laughs> I do not yet want to get off of Mr. Bones' wild ride, but we'll see how I'm feeling after after this <laughs> upcoming week. We'll
1: see. We'll yeah. see where everybody's yeah. at with that big uh, one. Big one this weekend with uh, Stu Morrow in town so, Yeah, let's, uh, let's let's be there. Let's pack the spectrum for that, and then. uh We'll see how we feel after uh, after that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we will talk to you all soon.